Hi, I'm Ashley Stamatinos, five-time number one best-selling author and your host to The Rewire Show, where I'll be interviewing some of the best minds about how to rewire your sensitivities into your greatest strengths. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends. And please remember to visit ashleystamatinos.com for additional resources designed specifically with you in mind to strengthen your transformational journey. Thank you for spending time with me today. Now let's get to the show. Hello everyone, Ashley Stamatinas here. I have a very, very special treat for you today. I am here with Dr. Ted Zeff. I'm so excited. Welcome, Dr. Zeff. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. Oh, this is such a treat. I'm so excited that you said yes when I reached out to you. And for those of you who are tuning in right now, you might not know about Dr. Ted Zeff, but you probably do because he, you know, he's gotten around and he's, you know, been a very prominent leader within this field for a very long time. So let me share a little bit more about Dr. Zeff with you. He received his PhD in psychology in 1981 from the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco. And he's completed postgraduate studies in nutrition, Ayurveda, and meditation. Dr. Zepp has taught classes in stress reduction and healing insomnia for Hill Physicians Medical Group, and also has a private practice counseling sensitive people and parents of highly sensitive children, which fills up my heart. I just want to listen to everything he has to say on that topic. He is the author of seven books. Is that right? Or are there more than seven? For the, for the trait of high sensitivity and also one one book is about um, helping boys who aren't sensitive to become more sensitive. So I used to say we have five in that, plus the dissertation became a book six. Amazing. Say. And then I have other books on spirituality I've written. Amazing, amazing. So I'm going to list a few for you just so that you have a sense of maybe you've read them already. The Highly Sensitive Person's Survival Guide, The Highly Sensitive Person's Companion, amazing books, The Strong Sensitive Boy, which I just... Oh, it just, it fills my heart. I love that there is a book on this topic and raise an emotionally healthy boy. These are just to name a few, like, like he just said, he's had even more published than this. And today we are going to be talking specifically about his book called The Power of Sensitivity. So excited to share some of my questions with him and, and have him share with you some of the amazing things that he's illustrated in that book. Dr. Ted Zeff has given numerous interviews about highly sensitive people, including on national public radio and TV, such as Good Morning Bay Area, and he has lectured internationally about highly sensitive people in countries such as Denmark and Holland, and he's been featured as a guest speaker um, at the Highly Sensitive Persons Annual Gathering in the United States. Ted Zeff's books have been translated into French, Dutch, Japanese, Danish, and Polish. And again, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so grateful you're here. Actually, what's really exciting is my, the HSP survival guide was just translated into Russian and Spanish, but I'm really excited about the Russian because uh, Elaine Aaron, who is the one who coined the term and you know she, she's world famous, 
Um, for some reason, the Russians didn't even get her book. She her books in like about 11, 12 languages, Chinese and different ones. But the Russian one, I was really excited about. And a Russian speaking person just did an interview with me, subtitled in Russian. So if any country needs some sensitivity, I think it, it, I'm really excited that r the Russian speaking audience will have that. And I'm also excited. I just wrote a speech. I, I was going to go in person, but I couldn't make it. We had, there's a big conference in Valencia, Spain, the uh, next month at the end of May. And uh, instead of going in person, I, I, they, they did a video of me talking about um, everything you need to know about highly sensitive children. So I just did that last week. But anyway, I'm really excited about Spanish because it's a huge audience and especially excited about Russian because it's the first time there's information now in the Russian speaking audience. So that's wonderful. It's that. just the kind of grace that I, this happened. Yeah. I wonder if they will be really surprised by how many more people are actually highly sensitive within their culture than they realize because it's not a nurtured aspect of their culture. Absolutely. And like many cultures that, uh, you know, we could talk about it more when we get into the, into your questions, but I can just say now that so much is culturally based. So when I did my research for the book, The Strong Sense of Boy, I interviewed 30 men from five different countries. The men who were raised in Thailand, India, and mostly in Denmark also had a totally different experience growing up with, with the trait of high sensitivity um, than those in Canada and the United States, which were more tough, macho countries where sensitivity isn't hot, regarded so highly. So in countries, there was a study, by the way, where it showed, uh, it was a long time ago, but a study that showed the children who were the most sensitive in China were the most popular, the children who were the most sensitive in Canada were the least popular. So it's very important to know that it's so culturally based what, what the societal's mores are in terms of their viewpoint on how they treat someone who has a finely tuned nervous system. And by the way, um, it's about a little over two weeks now. We had a conference with Elaine Aaron, Dr. Aaron, and the leaders from Europe and throughout the United States. There were about 12 of us there. And I, I told everybody that <clears throat> the term highly sensitive, I mean, we have, we have it. There's, there's no changing it. And I turned to Elaine and said, I, I really apologize. But for most men, that term does not work. So when I'm working with parents of boys, yeah. And men who have the trait of high sensitivity, I use the term having a finely tuned nervous system. Ooh, like that's a, great. Yeah, like an athlete is finely tuned, intuitive, can tune in to the subtlety so they can be a better athlete. Um, someone like um, Sully, who landed the plane in the Hudson River, they made a movie about it. He used his intuition to to know how to land the plane, you know, how to land the plane. So like a finely finally tuned nervous system would be like a pilot who's very successful, a race car driver. So I like using that instead of the more pejorative sounding term for men, especially because they can't deal with the term highly sensitive. It's, it, put, it pushes too many buttons. I even said <clears throat> when we were discussing this at the conference, I said, we well, you know if it was highly compassionate, highly kind, that wouldn't even be as difficult as highly sensitive because it's got such a, a negative connotation in many societies. 
Absolutely right. And I, and I would assume that even, you know, like you said, in um, I think you said Denmark was one of the places where sensitivity is a little bit more accepted. Is that what you said? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, calling a boy highly sensitive is a completely different experience there than it is here in the United States or in Canada. That makes perfect sense. But I can just see as a parent, as me, which I've had to do, you know, talk to the, the, my son's teachers about him being a highly sensitive child. If I was to use, he has a finely tuned nervous system or, you know, even system, it would be responded to completely differently. Those, that phrase elicits such a different response. Yeah. Then you could also say, well, if you're not highly sensitive, are you highly insensitive? So it it, it is, it's a trigger term. And then, you know, we, we have to use it now because it's been around now since 97 when Elaine came up with the term. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I prefer to use sensory processing sensitivity, which oh, is yeah. the more clinical term for it, mm-hmm. or a finely tuned nervous system followed by, you know, the positive parts about being able to tune in deeply. <clears throat> I love that. Yes. Okay, good. That's really helpful. I'm already getting tools, everyone who's listening. I'm getting tools that I can implement into my life right away. So this is amazing. Thank you. So um, Ted, would you please, let's back up just a little bit. And, you know, like I said, some of the people listening might not really know about you yet, and I'm Mm -hmm. excited to introduce you. So would you tell everyone just a little bit more about you and your journey to becoming a leader in the world of highly sensitive people? Well, I don't know if I'm a leader. It feels a little awkward. And even when you're introducing me. That's me saying it. I, I think, I feel comfortable saying that about you, but no. okay, all right. When you're introducing who I was, I go, who is this guy? That's I don't know guy. That happens to me too. When people introduce me, I'm like, whoa, that sounds, that sounds good. Okay. That's good, but it doesn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so what happened was back in, I think 2002, I read Elaine Aaron's book, The Highly Sensitive Person. And I took the questionnaire and I answered yes on everything except for maybe one uh, on the questionnaire. And I realized that what I've been dealing with my whole life is dealing with the trait of high sensitivity. And I just, I remember talking to my niece and saying, you know, I should write a book on this because I just finished my dissertation, not just didn't just finish it, it was 20 years, 15 years before, on the physiological and psychological effects of meditation and the physical isolation tank on type A behavior. So I had a group of people who went into the sensory uh, deprivation tank called the samadhi tank, and they just floated in peace. Another group meditating in a control group. And then I checked their um, blood pressure, heart rate, anxiety level before and after. So even my dissertation was geared toward ways to calm the nervous system down so it it fit right in because that's what i've been trying to do with my life and um and 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 manage my 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 trait of high sensitivity so i I wrote the book and uh again there was some kind of divine intervention that i i met elaine aaron and she wrote the um introduction to the book and new harbinger publications they're a very big uh publication for self-help books psych- psychologically oriented the when i called up the the uh acquisitions editor to just says gee i was just thinking of it would be good to have a follow-up book to elaine's book so at any rate that was how it started 
But what uh, I'm going to say it probably more than once during this interview. But what happens is if you have the trait of high sensitivity and you're growing up in, in the world where 80% of the people don't have the trait, you're a small minority. And frequently parents, peers, teachers say there's something wrong with you. So, you know, you don't, I mean, the people I've interviewed over the last 15 years, almost so many people say I felt like I never fit in and I always felt there was something different wrong with me. And so because you're different and people might say you're wrong for being different, what happens for the sensitive person as they grow up, they internalize that false belief that there's something wrong with them for having the trait that's a normal trait. And then they're afraid to speak up. They feel a lot of shame around their trait. And the way to really overcome it, I'll talk about it more, the more you immerse yourself in the teachings, and I'll talk about toward the end different groups you can you can attend to deal, you know, to learn more about the trade, to get sensitive people as your friends, support group. The more you immerse yourself in it, the more you can erase that negative thought, there's something wrong with you. And I will tell you the truth that when I mentioned to people back in 2003, oh, I'm writing a book called The Highly Sensitive Person Survival Guide. Some people went, ooh, what a strange title for a book. And I felt shame. I'm writing a book about highly sensitivity. I felt shame because I still had that feeling there was something wrong with me. After 15 years of giving lectures and writing books about it, being, as you would say, a leader of the community, I can stand on a mountaintop and yell, I am proud to be a highly sensitive man. And um, so it's a transformation for myself and a lot of the emotional issues I dealt with about not feeling good enough, comparing myself to other people, they all fell away the more I started loving my sensitivity and loving who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And, do you know, so many people that I encounter are at the heart of it. You mean, you thought to make that the title of your book. Mm-hmm. There are so many other components you just touched on, but they're looking to survive. I mean, so many highly sensitive people don't even have foundational tools to begin to get out of that survival, just trying to get through the day. So I think that's so powerful that you wrote that book to help people. And it's also really cool for me to hear that there was shame even at that point, because it tells the listeners that you got through that beyond that and you conquered it. And those of you who are really struggling with the shame, it's possible, you know, it's possible to get through it beyond it, to heal from it. And do you want to say anything about that? <laughs> this is great. I don't want to say it's, it's, it's not a question of possibility. It's a definite. The, definite. More, the more you immerse yourself into the trait of sensitivity, mm-hmm. I have, by the way, uh, on my website, the highly sensitive person healing program, okay. where I have, besides um, very calming meditation, centering meditations, I have uh, a tor- the last part section of the tape is affirmations where you, you I'll re- say it and then you repeat all the wonderful characteristics of being a sensitive person. Cool. So you're taking what people taught you is negative. Oh, you're too sensitive. Oh, you're, you're hot. What I hear today on a podcast. Oh, you're overly sensitive. You, no, you're not. You're just sensitive enough. And the more you focus on all the great aspects of it, 
the more you're going to love yourself and a lot of issues you thought about not feeling good enough, feeling wrong, feeling shame, they're going to totally disappear. <clears throat> I completely agree. It's rewiring your mindset, reframing the structure of what's going on in your head and you can change anything. I love it. I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up. And, you know, speaking of rewiring your mindset, the, the true um, mission behind what I'm doing and, and bringing you here to help people understand is how all of you who are listening are not wrong for your sensitivity, but there's truly something so beautiful, so right, such a a strength about, you know, what you're experiencing as sensitivity. And I know you and I talked offline a little bit about how, you know, highly sensitive people, it's a term that is really rapidly growing, which is really lovely. And at the same time, there's also some false information out there or people who are focusing on what's wrong with highly sensitive people. And so I would love if you could talk about this just a little bit. Yeah, so in the beginning, it was Elaine Aaron, myself, Jacqueline Strickland, who has been doing these HSP gatherings um, in Europe and the United States, my gosh, since I think 2000. I mean, many years, about 18 years. And there was one other book, she hasn't involved so much now, it was called Making Work Work for the Highly Sensitive Person, Barry Jagger, but that she sort of dropped out, I don't, I don't know. So there's just a few of us. And yeah. There was one person who was just using the trait to make money off it, who wasn't highly sensitive and, and giving these lectures. I don't even want to say where because it might identify the person. And Elaine, Dr. Elaine Aaron, Jacqueline Strickland, myself got together. So how are we going to deal with this person disseminating negative, wrong information? Because so I, I talked to the person and, and so did one of the other people. And I don't know if it's going to it change anything, but the bottom line now is that it's become so popular. If you if you go on YouTube and put highly sensitive person, every other person who's sensitive, I think, which is 20% of the population, is doing a video on it. Right. And they, they're getting this facts all wrong. I saw one video about um, highly sensitive boys, and I could not believe this person. Um, no. she, literally, she literally took what I said in my book, word for word, as if it was hers. And so I sent her an email saying, it'd be nice if you at least said you, you got that quote from me. Right. You know? So anybody can do anything. So I just want to warn anyone who has the trait of high sensitivity, be very, very careful mm-hmm. who, whose advice you listen to. Okay. And um, there a lot of the YouTube videos are, are incorrect about the information. A lot of them, they're just repeating what they heard Dr. Aaron or myself or someone else who's a leader in the field say. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I would stick with, you know, Dr. Aaron, myself, and some of the other people. There's some people that we had seven or eight leaders from different countries in Europe who came to the conference. Mm-hmm. And then there's, um, about four or five people in the United States that came. So I know the people who are, who are accurate, who are disseminating the information correctly. So you have to be very careful about um, what you're watching. Yeah, and some people have not only incorrect things, or they'll say, oh, this person in history was highly sensitive. You don't know. Um, or this celebrity is highly sensitive. Okay, Alanis Morissette is highly sensitive because she, she says it. <laughs> 
She was in the movie Sensitive, which, by the way, I recommend every sensitive person watch, not only for themselves, but watch it with any family, friends. It's the easiest way for people who aren't familiar with the trade to learn about it, because it's it's well done by a, a noted Hollywood director, mm-hmm. and the movie interviewed all over the world the top leaders in the research of high sensitivity and it's just a really easy way and it's very well done so it's not like a boring documentary it's they have all these different interviews and you're going back and forth and even my granddaughter watched it and loved it so because there's a lot of kids in the movies doing different things anyway it's a wonderful movie and that's another way to start tuning into loving your trait of high sensitivity but I, I got off the, the subject a little bit. So Alanis, I like that. Go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, Alanis Morissette yeah. is this famous singer who is in the movie and what it was like to be famous and highly sensitive. But people will sometimes, I've seen YouTube interviews or, or people writing things about HSP saying, this person's HSP, this person isn't. They don't know, you know, necessarily. I don't, I mean, I can usually intuit who is an HSP. But a, a lot of people, they'll say it, and it's not necessarily true. Yeah, and honestly, does it really matter? I mean, <laughs> you know, if those people are HSPs or not, it's like, a, I think a lot of times people are looking so outside of themselves instead of, you know, nurturing and growing their own sensitivity. They're looking for... Well, well actually, I think it's good if you're looking for role models. Oh, so, is that what they're doing? So. In my book, The Strong Sensitive Boy, I have some wonderful role models. I don't know if they were all HSP, but they were role models of people who are being kind and loving and sensitive, including athletes. Mm. So a boy can look up to someone who's not um, a, a cheater and, uh, you know, bad-mouthing other players and, 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 you know, winning's the only thing. So I put that in my book because we need role models, especially of men who are sensitive and compassionate okay thank you for that yeah that makes sense that absolutely makes sense <laughs> especially because they probably aren't always the ones with the the, sh- the most shining star so it's helpful to kind of have an idea of who they are so awesome one of the things I really wanted to do while I had you here on this interview is to dig into the book that you've written and mm-hmm. the book again is the power of sensitivity success stories of highly sensitive people thriving in a non-sensitive world and this book is so cool everyone who's who's listening right now it contains 44 stories from highly sensitive people in 10 different countries and it's all about how people have succeeded after being told that they weren't good enough and I'm sure a lot of you can really have a heartfelt relation to that statement that I just said because a lot of us have been told we're not good enough. And so this is what I really love about this book. And I love that Ted is paving the way of what's possible and even how he says it's probable that we can we can change this. And it's a very hopeful message. So that's what I really love. So specifically, the first question I have for you about this book is in chapter seven. There was the title of chapter seven for all of you is called Highly Sensitive Children, which of course I went to first, you know, for my questions because I love this topic. And there's a story included within this chapter about a mother and a child, and they're both highly sensitive. And they were in a car accident, and the child was deeply traumatized by the event. And there were differing opinions about how to help the child overcome the fear 
of getting back into the car. And so I just, I really wanted to talk a little bit about this. So could you please talk a little bit about the highly sensitive mom's approach versus the non-highly sensitive person dad's approach to this situation? Yeah, basically this, I, I worked with this person a while too, a wonderful person. Um, and she was kind of in a, in a rough situation because her husband was not into the trait of sensitivity, which I get a lot where the, the dad doesn't want to know about it and the mom does. Um, but anyway, and this was a, more of a typical case where the father says, oh, just put her in the car. It's fine. You know, she'll get over it. But the sensitive mom used her intuition to know that if she forced her, it would make it worse. So what she did was, luckily, I think she found in this story a good doctor who said, you know, just introduce it slowly. Mm -hmm. So what they would do is the mom and daughter would go to the car and have her just sit in it when it wasn't moving. Wow. And you know, with the toy she liked and play some games in the car. So she started reintroducing being in the car, being safe, and not associating it with this car accident and the trauma. Um, although it wasn't a terrible accident, it was still scary for this little sensitive girl. Um, so basically, after doing this for a period of, <clears throat> I think it was a few weeks, um, the girl felt safe enough to go in the car and drive with the mom, and it was fine. So this is a perfect example of the difference between someone who's highly sensitive and someone who's not. Not that, it's one thing I want to say right up front is that you could be a non-HSP. Um, I always think of my dad who a siren would go by. I would jump in the air and I say, wow, wasn't that loud? He goes, I didn't hear anything. But yet he was the most compassionate person, mm. one of the most compassionate people I've ever met. So you could not necessarily have, and I know many non-HSPs. I have several good friends who can go nonstop day and night and nothing lights and noise and crowds don't bother them. <clears throat> and they're very, very compassionate and loving all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's important to realize that, you know, the HSPs don't have a, a, a hold on it. And in my book, the, the um, HSP survival guide, I say, don't become an insensitive, sensitive person demanding everybody change according to your whims. I like so that. that. That's important. Because it's so sensitive people sometimes become victims and yeah. sometimes they become manipulators because, well, I have this trait and everyone has to do what I want. Everyone has to be quiet in the house. Everyone has to turn the lights off. You know, no, we're not going out anywhere. So it's always compromise in a family situation. So um, but what I was going to say also is that the, the mom is sort of what is traditionally called the shaman or the priestly advisor in old days, the, the, the HSP, not all of them, but most of them have this intuitive ability where they can tune in deeply to the, the right way. And so what you need to do is an HSP has that, most of them have that, we have that special sense, the quieter you are, the more you can hear that little voice guiding you. So if you just sit quietly and meditate, oh, we were in this accident and my daughter's upset. What should I do? Just sit there quietly. The answer will come. Don't force her. Even if you're being told by someone, force her. No. And so what's the gentle 
loving, easy way to do it. And you'll get that answer if you sit quietly in, a, in, in so many situations where you're not sure what to do. You'll hear that little voice and it develops. I didn't have it that much many years ago and now it's amazing. Like whenever I'm gonna do something, I hear this voice really clear. Don't do that. Or yes, go for it. So we, we just have to develop it and we have an extra ability. That's why we have these amazing dreams and the spiritual life where we could tune into just a, a whole vast world of divine spirituality and and you know a lot of HSPs are have psychic ability. Yeah. Uh, so I don't say to you know you don't have to always be tuning into it, but in certain situations you have an ability to intuit what is the best way to handle it, like the mom did, not listening to the dad saying, "I just put her in the car." Yeah. Absolutely. That would have increased the PTSD if she had any from that little accident when you force someone to do it. So it's like a flower has to open up at its own time. If you force the flower to open, it'll be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And likewise, when parents work with sensitive children, you can't force them. You can't. And sometimes they learn the hard way by trying and, and watching how hard it is on the child and the reaction and one of the things I'm curious about from what you're sharing is are, are children with um, the highly sensitive trait, are they more prone to being responsive with, with PTSD? Um, do they go into trauma faster or more readily than children who do not have the trait? Okay. So I'll say, first of all, that a child who is raised with very understanding, loving parents, mm-hmm. siblings, peers, and teachers, mm-hmm. usually as adults become not just as not just as well adjusted, but even more well adjusted than the non-HSP as an adult. Yeah. However, that same child, if they're raised in a family where people are humiliating them for their trait, where their peers have bullied them, humiliated them for it they're going to react deeper and have more of a tendency toward having PTSD or some negative uh, aspect. But one thing I want to bring up, which I talked about in that speech um, for the University of Valencia Spain conference, is that there's a thing called differential susceptibility. And what that means is in in a lot of research, they found that sensitive people respond deeper and, and on a deeper level to positive stimuli than, than non-HSPs. So there was a study of 11-year-old girls who were depressed. And the intervention for the sensitive girls was much more successful because, don't forget, they absorb everything. So they're absorbing and more open to the positive intervention. They became less depressed than non-HSP 11-year-old girls. So likewise, what I, what I feel, and Aaron, Dr. Aaron has said it also, is that even telling a sensitive child, oh, you have the trait of having a finely tuned nervous system or the trait of high sensitivity, that alone could help them feel better and love themselves more and have less low self-esteem, just knowing that they have a, a trait and there's nothing wrong with them. So it's very important, this differential susceptibility, because it means that interventions, like in therapy, work much much better for people with the trait than non-HSPs, because they're so 
open to positive intervention, positive feedback. Mm-hmm. That's so, I love how you describe that. That's awesome. That helps so much to illustrate that. And one thing that's just really popping into my head from what you just said is, you know, how Elaine Aaron said, you know, to those children, you have the trait of, you know, um, <clears throat> a sensitive nervous system or uh, what, what was the phrase you used again? Um, finely tuned nervous system. Finely tuned, but yeah, that's better. Finely that's tuned nervous voice. system. What I thought was really interesting about that is how you basically just shared a story about how a title or or understanding, you know, something that they're dealing with helps them feel better. Sometimes I'm a little confused about um, titles, you know, and labels and whether they help or not. And I think that from what I'm gathering from what you just said, it gives them information about like they feel at home or they feel a sense of belonging or I'm not, you know, off in this tangent by myself. No one understands. It's like, Oh, I do fit within this. Can you talk to talk about that for a second? Because sometimes I think that that's an interesting topic. Very important where you get, you get a lot of misinformation is that, some people mistakenly say having the trait of high sensitivity is like a diagnosis disorder. And you have to be so careful. I gave a talk once at a program where people are going for their master's in psychology. The head of the department, after I talked for about 20 minutes explaining what the trait was, yeah. she actually said, well, if this trait is true, that must mean there's something wrong with these people. Oh, and this the psychology department. So there's a lot of ignorance out there. Yeah. So important is that it's a totally normal trait. Mm -hmm. And again, culturally based in countries like Thailand, where I think of this man I interviewed who said being kind and and sensitive to other people Mm -hmm. is the highest good you could do. So he was always elected president of his class because he was always looking out for the common welfare of everybody. And that made him popular. So there's nothing wrong with this trait. It's not a diagnosed disorder. And I can give you an example. Sensitive people are frequently, not frequently, but can be misdiagnosed. I would say frequently for the ADHD symptom, attention deficit disorder, um, hyperactivity. Um, So for example, someone with ADHD and HSP could look similar because in a classroom, they're not getting their work done. But it's different. The HSP is not getting their work done, the child in the classroom, because of all the noise. They can't focus. The bright overhead uh, fluorescent lights. Uh, the fact there's so much pressure. You've got to get an A. You've got to do well. And there are many, many HSCs, highly sensitive children or perfectionists. So all of that would make them seem like maybe they have ADHD. Maybe they can't focus because they're too hyperactive. You take that same sense of child out of the classroom, put him or her at home in a quiet environment, they have no problem doing fine. While a child with ADHD would still be kind of bouncing off the walls and, and, and having a hard time focused even in a quiet environment. The same with depression, sensitive people cry more, and especially women. And the one area of the whole test for I cry easily um, there was a total difference, even highly sensitive men wouldn't admit that they cry easily. So, but sensitive women, especially in therapy, if they start crying all of a sudden, someone can say, gee, 
she must be depressed. I think I'm going to label her as a depressed patient. Oh, yeah. So you can have a diagnosed disorder, be on the autism spectrum, have um, you know a, a, a clinical depression, and have the trait of high sensitivity. Mm-hmm. But they're not; they're mutually exclusive because most people have the trait of high sensitivity do not have a diagnosed disorder. So it's like having a trait, like any trait. Oh, I'm a um, type A behavior. You know, I, I like to get going and do things all the time. Um, you know, oh, I, I, I could tune in deeper to, to different areas because my nervous system. So it's a normal trait. It's not a label. It's not a diagnosed disorder. There is nothing wrong with the 20% equally divided between men and women in every country. Actually, not only among human beings, but among animals. And so, for example, in wild horses, they saw the leader of the wild horses could sense danger. And that was the sensitive horse who would lead the horses to freedom, you know, away from danger. So even in the animal kingdom, you'll see a highly sensitive animal is usually a leader because they could sense danger. And I I always make this joke. It's a little corny, but it's, it's good. You know what Lyme disease is? Go right ahead. <laughs> you know what Lyme disease is? Hmm. Lyme disease from ticks? Yeah, I know what it is, yes. Yeah, so I always say, how come HSPs never get Lyme disease? Because oh. they're going to feel the tick on their skin before it can bite them, and they yes. don't get Lyme disease. I love that. Yes, it's so likewise, so uh, an HSP goes into a new auditorium, they're going to know where all the exits are where all the exit doors are before anyone else so they're good people to be around when you want when you're because they pick up all the subtleties in the environment and safety it's so true i function in subtleties i function in gray there is not a black and white area in my life any longer i mean when you lean into this trait for me at least and and perhaps a lot of you listening too, life is in the gray you notice all the subtleties and there's (laughs) There's got to be room for movement if you're functioning in the black and white all the time. Wouldn't you say that life is pretty uncomfortable in that place if you're trying to be that? Yeah. So, you know, this, this is interesting that you, that you brought us to this place because within the same chapter that you were talking about the highly sensitive child, there's another section called how we helped our HSP son become more confident. And truly, you know, what I really wanted to ask you about you, you've covered and you probably could go even a little bit further with it, but the main message that I took from so many of the stories that you offered is that really knowledge is power. And knowledge is power in reference specifically to supporting highly sensitive people, whether you're an HSP or you have an HSP child or sibling or spouse or something. People who educated themselves are, are I have at least from my experience from your book, they are finding more success when they, when they have that information and that reference point to better understand what's going on. Can you elaborate a little bit about that? Yeah, I actually like to tell that story because that uh, parent is absolutely amazing. Awesome. So the little boy was overwhelmed in PE class in third grade or something, third or fourth grade, and he couldn't get the rules quickly. So because he felt shame, He just sat down and wouldn't join in. Mm -hmm. The mom was amazing. What she decided to do besides meet with the teachers, go to the PE class 
and she started playing with the other children that made him feel safe. So he joined in and it turned out to be, he was a really good athlete and a fast runner. And once he understood the rules, he played and he was fine. If that parent had humiliated him or didn't even know about there's something wrong, that little boy would have sat on the bench the rest of his school years, Mm. not playing, feeling badly about himself. So it is absolutely 100% crucial that every parent of a sensitive child learns as much as possible. I actually have the seminar I did a few months ago in Australia and the United States. You can buy the recording of it. It's everything you need to know about raising a sensitive boy. My speech on raising sensitive children, boys and girls, there'll be a YouTube video up hopefully within about a month um, after I, this was just last week they did the filming. It's a, almost an hour video. Mm-hmm. If you have a child who's sensitive, you absolutely have to put in the extra amount of energy. Yeah, maybe it'd be a little easier if your child didn't have the trait and they were more aggressive on their own. But if your child has the trait, you've got to put in the energy now. And I, I just, for some reason, I just thought of this one case where the boy was getting bullied in this private school and the father went to the school and the father said, well, that school was good enough for me. It should be good enough for him. And the mom was sort of like just going along with the dad. And I said, well, it's your choice. You could have your son stay at the school that you went to when you were growing up and get bullied and be miserable and have a terrible life where he's going to be feel like a victim and miserable and need years of therapy. And that might not even help. Or you could change to a private school, homeschooling, uh, make another uh, change in his, in his academic life, learn how to deal with bullying for your son, and he can grow up to be happy. It's your choice. Do you want your son miserable? Then go ahead and do what you want, or you want him to be happy and, and, and have a joyful life. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And for those of you who are listening, you know, I'm also, I'm a parent of a highly sensitive child and yes, it's for sure, you know, more work. And I, I encourage you to look at, you know, there's, there's different ways you can look at it. For me, the mindset shift that I've made is that it's, it's kind of fun to, to be looking at all these moving puzzle pieces and, you know, what can I do to be of service to my child to help them thrive in this situation. You know, I have seen a lot of other parents who, who say, you know, this is how it is. They've got to just figure it out, toughen up. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, when I put that little bit of extra effort in, I see my child go from really struggling to really thriving. And, you know, that lights me up as a parent. And then you see your child light up and you see their potential shine through and it's such a beautiful experience. So, I mean, oh my gosh, I encourage you to take that little extra step to just look at how you can put a little bit more into it and, and be like creative, like the parents that you've just described in these stories. Although, although I do get dads going, well, it sounds like we're just coddling him. I know. But no, but, but what I want to say is it's very important. Yes. When you're, when you're disciplining a highly sensitive child, you scream at the child, the child will react in deep fear and withdraw. They do much better if you talk in a very gentle, soft tone, but you still have to delineate clear limits. And 
you can teach your children the vocabulary if they're feeling too overstimulated and they can't take another event and they need downtime, let them, let them tell you that. But it, it's not a question of toughening up and it's not a question of um, coddling them, but it is important that even a sensitive child needs limits, but it's the way you give the limits to the child is what, what works or doesn't work. <clears throat> And that's, that's, that's something that's important in every kind of relationship in your life, you know, <laughs> the way that you deliver it. And also, you know, just to even further illustrate what you just said, in the movie Sensitive, there's another story about parents where the mom is highly sensitive and the child is as well. And the father is so triggered by what he perceives as the mom, you know, coddling the child. And it you know the, is this in this specific story it's an example of the father was actually a highly sensitive person but his high sensitivity wasn't nurtured it was suppressed and he didn't even realize he was and that's part of why he was so reactive you know later on in those situations and so that's an interesting what i want to say is that please one study showed that newly born infant boys were more emotionally active than newly born infant girls. But by the time a boy reached the age of four or five, he's learned to repress every emotion except anger because anger is the only emotion that's acceptable for males to express. If a little four-year-old boy starts crying, they go, what are you, a little baby, a little girl, sissy? Boys don't cry. You're afraid? What are you afraid for? Real, real men aren't afraid. So they get that message and here's the caveat is that the dad of a sensitive boy has the only way they can really become a good parent a good dad because that's the role model is for them to go inward either by reading literature um there's some amazing books i had talked about it in my book the strong sensitive boy about uh being put into a a, a little man box yeah. and you can only act a certain way but it's crucial that every dad go inward and investigate either with friends, a men's group, whatever, how they got their definition of masculinity and what it means to be a man. And 99% of the time, it goes back to their childhood where if they were playing on a little league team or something or other boys, if they showed any emotions, they were taunted and humiliated by either the peers, the coach, the father, and they they um, integrated that into their belief system. That's what it means to be a man. And that's not what it means to be a man. You're a fully functioning human being if you can express all your emotions. So I absolutely implore all dads of sensitive children to explore their own belief system. What made me get this viewpoint that this is what a man is supposed to be like? Yes. And how can we change that? Because to be uh, uh, like a, a, a culturally uh, uh, ster cultural stereotype, you're only a half a person. You know, you're not a fully functioning human being. And there was at the VA hospital, there was a wonderful sign that said, it takes the strength of a warrior to ask for help. Mm -hmm. So if you're in pain, ask for help now. And that was the way that to get veterans to ask for help with PTSD or emotional crisis. It takes more strength to ask for help than to repress anything. No, I could do it all myself. And that's why most men die before women of heart attacks and they don't see doctors 
because men are taught, boys are taught from an early age, you should be independent, take care of yourself, don't depend on anyone. So it's a full self-analysis, self-examination about your entire belief system, especially for men. Mm. I love that. I am so glad that you are out there sharing this message with people because this feels so important. And I am so excited to just get this video and get this audio out to everyone because I want people to hear this. I think that this is pivotal, life-changing. I mean, if you don't already know it, and if you do, you hopefully you're hearing it a different way in a way that you can sink in even further the second time, you know? Oh, so thank you. This is awesome. Um, and I really love that we sort of talked a little bit about relationships a moment ago, because one of the things, another thing that I really wanted to talk to you about, because I have found that people are most responsive to this topic within my business. And they seem to ask the most questions about this topic is a highly sensitive person in a relationship with a non-highly sensitive person. So within your book, you have chapters nine and 14, where you address specifically non-HSPs with HSPs. And I was so delighted to see that. And this seems to be a very frequent topic, like I said. So I would love to know if you can give highly sensitive people some suggestions on things that they can say to their non-HSP partners to help them better understand how we function and how to handle us when we're upset. (laughs) Well, the first thing is have a family night, get the popcorn out and watch the movie Sensitive. Done, yes. With the whole family. Mm -hmm. And that way they'll get, it's it's a condensed, uh, what's that called? The Monarch Review method to get it out there without reading a full book. Because most people, unfortunately, don't have time to read and don't want to read, especially if they're being told by an HSP, read this book. Now, if they are open after watching the movie, the highly sensitive person love is a great one by Elaine Aaron. The whole key is, yeah, yeah, there's certain people who refuse, refuse to acknowledge the trait. Um, There's wonderful research on Elaine Aaron's website And they did fMRI studies that showed different parts of the brain, the amygdala lights up for HSPs and non-HSPs. So there's tons of scientific evidence out there. And they're going to get some of it from the movie. Some of it you can get on Elaine's website. It's real. It exists. There's scientific proof to show it. And so, you know, if you find someone who refuses to, to look at the scientific data and you know, then there's, there's, it's hopeless then. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to watch the movie. I don't want to do it. But for anyone who's open to it, let the person learn as much as possible about the trait. Mm-hmm. Um, that's number one. Number two is the key to an HSP, non-HSP relationship, whether it's partners, marriage partners, parent-child, uh, work situation, is compromise. Hmm. compromise compromise so for example there's a party and the hsp doesn't really want to go but they compromise they'll take two cars they'll go to the party at eight they'll leave by 9 15 and drive home and then the hsp partner who likes to stay out later they can stay out later the hs the non-hsp might want to go rock climbing 
the the HSP maybe would rather just read a book in the park. So you can go together to the park. The HSP can go bungee jumping or canoeing or whatever. Canoeing is pretty mild or rock climbing. (laughs) And if they want to sit there drawing a picture or, or reading or going just for a walk in nature, they can do that. So you always compromise. You don't make one person right, one wrong. You know, you know, so for example, like if you want to go out to a restaurant, well, first of all, you choose a restaurant that generally is quiet and you go to, to earlier. So you don't go like on a weekday night at, um, I mean, a weekend, Friday or Saturday night at seven, you'd go like on a weekday night around 530. They have an early bird special. You save some money. It's quieter in the restaurant. Yep. Same way with movies. You don't want to go to a movie theater uh, when a blockbuster number one movie comes out on a Saturday night, but you want to wait two, three, four weeks and go to that afternoon matinee. So you're always compromising and working on not saying, no, I'm never going out. I'm not going to a restaurant. I'm not going to a movie. I'm not going to party, but you compromise and you do it, but you do it in a way that works for you. That'll work for the non HSP person in your life. I wonder if anybody else who's listening feels like he just looked into your marriage. <laughs> because I'm married to a non-HSP and we go to matinees and we go to dinner at like 5 p.m. <laughs> so funny that you're saying this. And by the way, I don't know, we haven't really discussed it, is that 30% of all HSPs are high sensation seekers. So oh. that's a minority within a minority of people and um I had someone in my life who was a HSP high sensation seeker and she would always want to do things. And that's kind of dangerous because they, they, they're always looking for sensation seeking events and want to try this and go there, but then they have to monitor themselves because they can get burnt out just like uh, an HSP who's more. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of the kids that I know who have autism, who are high sensation seeking or the opposite because of their sensory processing. I mean, it's a different different area. It's just where my brain went, but that's that's so interesting about HSPs and how there's high sensation seeking within us as a minority. That's very interesting. I'm glad you shared that. Mm-hmm. So um, I would also really like to ask you because we're finishing up already. I, of course, I could keep asking you so many questions, but I would really love to know what does your dream for a better future for highly sensitive people look like? Well, when I, as I mentioned earlier, when I first was writing my book in 2003, nobody heard of the trade. Now more and more people are learning about it. Hopefully uh, in graduate school, they'll teach people how to work with patients because Elaine has a book called Psychotherapy and the Highly Sensitive Person because she believes the majority of clients in therapy have the trait of high sensitivity because we're ideal clients. We're very responsible. We follow through. We're intuitive. We like to discuss emotions. And unfortunately, many of us had some difficulties growing up. And so, but we're open to working it out. So as, I mean, when I think of 2003, I remember I was in an interview on NBC, that's Good Morning Bay Area or something back in 2006. Okay. And people were like, whoa, it's on television, someone talking about it. Now it's like, there's a, there's a YouTube video of someone from Europe. She got like a million hits. 
Huffington Post interviewed Elaine Aaron and myself about coping skills. We got 1.2 million likes. Mm -hmm. So it's just growing and growing. And the more people who know about it, um, the, the easier it'll be. And what I do is I anoint every highly sensitive person as almost a light bearer for teaching other people about the trait. Mm. So we have a very important responsibility because yeah. even though people might say you're too sensitive, the my opinion is the future of this planet surviving is having more people with the trait of high sensitivity who are kind to animals, kind to the environment. You're not going to any HSP terrorists uh, blowing themselves up. So we are the future of the survival of the planet. We're the ones who start the no smoking uh, rules. We're the ones who are uh, out there um, walking for, um, I mean, non-HSPs also, but so many HSPs are for the environment and, and living a healthy lifestyle and diet. So everybody, need, everyone who's an HSP recognizing themselves the more they learn about it and share it with their friends, family, colleagues, everyone, their neighbors, then it's just gonna um, increase uh, exponentially. And right now, Elaine's books, uh, her, the first one sold probably over 2 million, mine have sold over 100,000, and it just keeps getting more and more. And as you see the YouTube videos, every, all these HSPs they know are writing books about it. So. But everyone who knows the trait, share the true information, you know about it, and we're going to live in a better world. You're going to learn to love yourself and not feel like a victim, like you're wrong. And I see roses everywhere. Ah, oh, I love that. Yeah, it's going in a good direction. It's amazing. And, and I love that idea of, of where we're going. And, and it's totally possible and probable with the momentum that we have right now. So oh, thank you for that. So could you please add a word of encouragement to the viewers who are struggling right now and desire something more? Well, I'm not sure about what they're struggling for and what they desire, but like I said earlier in the beginning of the video is the more they throw themselves into learning about the trade, um, then the more they're gonna love themselves and all those negative patterns, whatever they're struggling with has to do with feeling like a victim, they're wrong and it's changing the whole energy. So there's Facebook pages if you put in highly sensitive people, but you gotta be careful. Yep. Some pages have negative people on it who are acting like victims. There's the ESP gathering that, that Jacqueline Strickland has um, once or twice a year in different places, East Coast, Midwest, uh, West Coast. Um, try and go to one of those, meet other HSPs. Mm -hmm. There's HSP meetup groups in about, I think, 60 or 70 cities in the world. Yeah. So if you go to Elaine Aaron's website under, um, uh, I'm not sure if it's references or, uh, but I know she has on her website, or you just go yourself, meetup group, and put in highly sensitive people in your city. And there's some really big, in Chicago, where you are, there's a huge one in downtown Chicago. And I, when I gave my workshop in Wheaton, um, a lot of the people who went to the downtown Chicago uh, HSP meetup group came, and it's a great support. So get involved with other HSPs, read everything you can. 
If you're interested in ordering my tape on the affirmations where you're hearing over and over again all the great traits of being a sensitive person, it'll totally, the more you're involved in it, you read the research, read my books, Elaine's books, you'll, you'll, you're going to, it'll, 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 it'll get to a point of transformation that everything you thought was a struggle is going to become a joy now in your life. Because you can use your, your wonderful trait to bring, because we feel love deeper than other people. Yeah. Happiness more. We can appreciate nature more. Mm-hmm. So you'll start changing from what doesn't work to seeing what does work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love that. Thank you. So my last question for you before we finish up is, could you please share with the listeners how they can learn more about you and your work? Yeah, so my website is drtedzeff.com for Dr. D-R-T-E-D-Z as in zebra, E as in Edward, double F as in frank.com. If you go to Facebook and put in Dr. Ted Zeff, you'll get my Facebook page where I list like workshops, like I'm having a workshop in a few weeks on coping strategies for highly sensitive people. It's going to be a, a worldwide uh, seminar, webinar, mm-hmm. uh, Zoom, mm-hmm. and, and, and all sorts of new research information. So if you want to follow me on Dr. Ted Zeff on Facebook, or you go to my website, drtedzeff.com, mm-hmm. and feel free to contact me. There's a contact uh, on, my, um, on my webpage. You can ask me any questions. I have all these books, I do individual consultations all over the world via Skype um, or phone in the, within the United States with uh, parents of sensitive children as well as uh, adults who have the children of high sensitivity. So there's a lot out there, and I just encourage you to embrace everything that's out there. Uh, Elaine Aaron's website is hsperson.com, and there's just a wealth of information on that site also. I'll include all of those links for everyone listening and they'll be below this video. They'll be on my blog. They'll be anywhere that you can receive this interview. You'll have all of the links that Dr. Zach just offered all of you so that you can stay in touch with him, take him up on these offers, you know, um, get involved in the conversation and continue to learn about all of the newest things that are coming out from Ted and from everybody else that you just listed, because there's a lot of wonderful resources that you've mentioned within this interview. So um, thank you again, Ted. And, and I hope all of you will continue to take the next steps with Ted and, and continue to stay in touch with him. Please be sure to subscribe to the series and get involved in the conversation by leaving a comment. And of course, we both would love to hear your comments below. So thank you for joining us. And thank you so much, Ted, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Your enthusiasm and my enthusiasm, it's a dynamic duo because I'm passionate about the subject and you're passionate. So it's it's a win-win. Yes, this is amazing. I'm so, so grateful. Yes, I hope that you all are inspired about the world that is, you know, really gaining a lot of awareness about highly sensitive people. So good things to come, everyone. He sees roses everywhere. So, (laughs) all right. I'll see you on the next video. Bye now. Thank you for listening to The Rewire Show. Wondering if you are a highly sensitive person or an empath? Head over to ashleystamatinos.com to take the free quiz. 
While you're there, you can join in on the conversation with other like-minded people and discover fantastic free bonus content to support you on your transformational journey to rewire your sensitivities into strengths. See you on the next episode.